Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, we're talking to Agri's Tom Land, Fertiliser Technical Manager, and Tom Parrott, Crop Input Specialist. Today, we're asking a key question. What do we need to be thinking about when it comes to autumn nutrient planning for the winter cereal crop, so that when it comes to harvest time, we can see a profitable return on our investment? So, good afternoon to you, chaps. Good afternoon, Tony. Afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Tom Land, if I can start with you first. You know, where do we start when it comes to thinking about autumn nutrition for the crop that we are about to sow? Well, it's, it's a great time to do one of two things, really, which is take a retrospective look back at last season and uh, see what the good successes were. Um, I think farmers are pleased with yield responses from last season. Um Although we had challenging weather conditions, yields um, were there uh, and very, um, very, you know, very, you know, provided some great returns. Uh, and I think it's worthwhile looking back and looking at did the farmer make any cutbacks on nutrients last season because of maybe the financial situation uh, and, and what sort of differences in either yield or, or grain qualities have they picked up uh, from the previous crop. It also then helps us think about. Well, we're now about to start planning for the for the autumn and the crop we're about to sow. Uh, one thing being, you know, how much residual nitrogen have we got left in our soils? Well, a lot of soils haven't received a lot of rainfall yet, so there probably is a reasonable amount of residual nitrogen there. So establishment may be good depending on soil conditions. Uh, and how can we, you know, capitalise that on that uh, through the season? Uh, and what other nutrients have we got in the soil um, from recent soil analysis, for example? Sure. And, and you talk about soil analysis, you know, how much data can we glean from the previous crop that's going to help us plan for this approaching crop? Well, obviously, the soil uh, analysis is your basis, your starting point. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of grain testing. I think it, it does give you the ability to, to calculate a nitrogen use efficiency figure where you can uh, take the N offtake in the grain uh, and, and relate that to the nitrogen you applied out of the bag or and, and the nitrogen that was in the soil, either through a soil mineral nitrogen test or the um, RB209 SNS values you calculate using book values. So it's, it's a good calculation to do just to see what end recovery rates were like, because it can also feed into things, not just nitrogen related, but, but soil structure, any limitations uh, with the plant's ability to access nitrogen from the soil, really. And that sounds a really good investment in that analysis, uh, Tom. So how many farmers do that? I think it's growing. It's, it's certainly growing year on year. When I look at Agri's database of samples, we seem to double our number of samples every year, which is great. We do a lot in trials. So we, we use those results to help see if we see any differences in uh, nitrogen responses, particularly where we may be reducing end rates, what effect it has on the grain. Uh, is usually quite a good indicator of, you know, have we cut nitrogen back too far, for example. Uh, and this year, we've also started to do more straw testing uh, just to kind of get an understanding in a year like this year is more, are more nutrients, particularly potassium, maybe getting trapped in the straw. Uh, and if they're being baled and removed, then we're obviously losing them from the ground. But if they're being chopped, they're being obviously returned to the ground as well, really. And Tom Parrott, to bring you in here, you're a crop input specialist. That that's that's what you do. Um, how much can we learn from last year that could be useful for deciding on where we spend on nutrients for this coming crop? I think the point, the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Really, that all businesses that we're in discussion with have had 
you know, good yields and they applied, you know, the suitable nutrition to grow those crops last year. You can go around quite a few farms and see the sheds are full. There's been some adequate opportunities, I think we'll modestly put it, for the grain market. Um, so, yeah, I just think uh, on, on the whole, what we've learned is that, you know, nutrition is key. You know, Tom's right that taking a soil sample, um, I always say, if you start off with a good foundation, the rest will come true. Um, and, you know, nutrition, soil sampling and growing a crop is, is very much case in point of that saying. Mm. And, 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 you know, to both of you, really, you know, what, what are the risks that we saw last year with? I'm thinking about the weather pattern, actually, the, the, that dry spring and the hot summer. But what are the risks that we have to be mindful of in terms of making sure we've got good crop resilience going through to harvest next year? Uh, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, actually, I think last season was a good case in point. I think we had a lot more solar radiation. So, so the, you know, the crop's ability to photosynthesize uh, maybe was better, which also helped with, with yields, specific weights, nitrogen utilization as well, for example. And I wonder if, um, you know, we were, I was worried about what effect the dry weather might have had on crops, but certainly on, you know, well-bodied soils and things like that you know we didn't see any problem any any too disastrous problems with the dry weather particularly on winter cereals for example who you know that had a robust root system uh, and could manage themselves quite happily really so so you're talking about that robust root system uh, i mean tom perry is is that the key to it that we've got to really make sure that the crop sets off on a, on a good footing so to speak so that it does have the resilience we know from looking at numerous trials that we've done as a company you know, things like starter fertilizer, getting that nutrition right, is always very good at setting the crop up well. We know that phosphate's a key element as well um, in trying to get crops to, you know, place their roots down far enough. We know that placement fertilizer is also of a benefit, you know, through some of this modern technology. And, you know, the more you keep adding these little details on to how you develop a crop, you're, you're basically treating each step as an insurance policy to growing a successful crop. Obviously, Mother Nature can have the last laugh with us all, but you know, actually getting the rooting structure, getting the fertilizer in place to help the crop absorb the water better, and it all, it's all stepping stones of building up an insurance policy to you know, get to your end goal. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Tom Land, let's just come back to you there. So I know you've been busy traveling around the country, uh, sharing your expertise with growers. What, what should growers be thinking about right now? Where should their mindset be when it comes to this nutrient planning? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like we just said at the start of our discussions, you know, it all starts with the soil sample uh, and understanding where we've got the previous crop. Now it's a case of trying to identify you know, are there any limiting factors that we might might see within that, that crop over the year, you know, depending on the soil status, really? So it's worth looking at and identifying, you know, phosphorus levels. Obviously, the autumn is a key time for applying phosphorus to see a, a response uh, from phosphorus applications. Uh, you know, we still see responses to fresh phosphate on soils that are index one. So I still see that as a, a really important factor to consider that that you know, a grower might not necessarily like the price of uh, triple superphosphates at the moment, uh, but if he's on a phosphate deficient situation, uh, there still is a yield response and a, and a response from utilising fresh pea in the seedbed. Yes, you can play about the rates and, you know, place it down the spout in direct drills and, and do a whole host of things, but, you know, we still see responses in, in trials in that situation, really. 
Yeah, and and Tom P, you you mentioned that uh, you know something that you've picked up from uh, looking back over last year is really touching on the point that uh, Tom Lamb made there about price, that sensitivity to that that fear of spending, that, uh, th- th- those big costs that a farmer is getting involved in when buying in these nutrients. So I, I think you had a bit of a saying that you, uh, it's almost Shakespearean, Tom P. What, what is your saying? Um, certainly uh, the, the, what we've come out with the trials is when you're talking to growers that in today's society and environment and pressures that we're under in agriculture less needs to be more now you know there was a time where we used to take a variety stick it into trials see how much nitrogen we could put on it before say spring barley nitrogen levels went pop and it was too much now we're literally dropping you know one little granule of urea onto the plot and and seeing just how well we can utilize every little part of that nutrient and how well we can get that plant to utilize it and also how we can understand the relationship between the soil the nutrient and the and the plant and and getting that all focused so certainly in a very short amount of time the industry has has sort of done a u-turn on uh, looking at how we can use this nutrition Sure. And, and there's some very valuable aspects of that in terms of, you know, towards net zero and thinking about our environment, isn't there? But what you're really saying and your quote, in case anybody missed it, is less needs to be more. That That's your quote, which is really interesting because it makes you think, doesn't it? So, so Tom Land, I mean, you know, how do we strike that balance? How do we get that balance right that helps the farm business and its sustainability and its profitability, but balances that with what the crop needs what, what's what's new for us to think about there? What's quite topical at the moment is there'll be a lot of growers going out into fields this autumn, taking soil samples, and for the first time, maybe taking a soil organic matter test. You know, under the SFI, you know, we're seeing growers, you know, taking soil organic matter tests. And, you know, there's, there's probably two main tests in the market that you can do for soil organic matter. But I think that brings a huge amount to the party for the grower who's maybe doing this for the first time, but also uh, is, is using it in relation to, well, how do I take this result? And, uh, and, and you know, how much, how does this influence how, how, how well phosphate can be managed in the soil, potassium, for example, uh, and, and other elements. So I think, I think we'll, growers are starting to get more data coming in uh, and, and the organic matter piece, I think will bring a lot to the party, not just, you know, understanding where you are now, but where you might go on, on your journey into the future possibly. Sure and you've mentioned phosphate two or three times uh, Tom so tell us a bit about uh, your product release. How's that different and how can it help the grower? Yeah well we've been working with a, a series of products over, over a long time actually so we, we, we started playing with uh, fertilizer coatings so we've had a product in the market called P Reserve which is a coating you apply to phosphate fertilizers and it basically works to keep the phosphate soluble for longer. So it, it neutralizes elements that potentially lock up the phosphate that the plant can't access, particularly elements like calcium and aluminium, for example. Uh, and then alongside this, we've been actually just applying the product to the soil in the absence of phosphate fertilizers, because we know it, we've seen responses uh, to it in these situations, but now we've started to really ramp up trials work and R&D, uh, particularly in, in, in a situation where, where people aren't applying phosphate fertilizers, but you know, want to get some sort of response uh, from the soil's uh, nutritional value, really. 
Sure. And, and the big question, does that have a financial benefit to the bottom line for that particular crop? Well, it does if you look at the the, the sheer cost of it, because uh, release is probably £28 a hectare and, and bag phosphate fertiliser, depending on what rates you apply it at, could be anything up to £80, £90 a hectare. Um, and I'm certainly not saying that, that, that it's a direct replacement for bag phosphate fertiliser, but it's certainly a useful tool in terms of either um, helping increase the availability of fresh pea when the plant needs it most, which is the establishment phases of growth. Uh, and then uh, it may either help you as well if you're on a, a more optimal soil type and you're just wanting to kind of uh, carry yourself along a bit longer until you can see, you know, more, more realistic phosphate prices in the future. Sure. So uh, what I'm hearing is that, you know, it, it's easy. It's easy for a grower to go, well, you know, in terms of what my nutrient planning is going to be about this year, you know, I've done this. I've taken that approach. It's worked in the past, which is very, very valid. But what it's also saying is we've got to learn from the immediate past, la the last crop with your, your grain testing uh, and also looking at other ways. And there are other ways. And the, the example you've just given there, uh, uh, Tom Land, is, is a very cost effective way forward in terms of uh, phosphate. W what other things can growers be looking at or thinking about that could really help them uh, with their planning over the autumn? The easiest thing is, is soil structure. It, 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 that's going to be a really challenging one at the moment for growers who've, who've come out of a very dry period. Uh, some, some are fortunate in getting rainfall at the moment. Uh, but soil structure plays a huge role, uh, not just in the establishment of the crop, but also in the crop's ability to extract nutrition from the soil over, over its life, over its growing life, really. Yeah, sure. And, and we learned that from Regen. Uh, if any of you went to that event, but if you didn't, uh, you can catch up on some of the highlights on uh, Tramlines uh, right here, actually, where we interviewed some farmers who've been going through that Regen transition. And, and it was a key th thread a key theme of what they kept kept saying which was that you know there is or there is a huge benefit to be gained from uh, looking after your soil in a slightly different way financially and in terms of uh, nutrients uh, tom perry i mean you know as as an input specialist what would you like to add to the mix here about what growers should be thinking about i think from a, a nutritional point of view if we're talking about you know tom's spoken about you know getting the soil right getting that foundation set up I think the other part of the whole aspect and the environment that we're in now is that farmers perhaps need to start considering alternative products. So if, for example, they were, you know, traditionally using a nitrogen sulfur compound, perhaps the market might present a slightly better solution for their business if they were to consider something like a straight ammonium nitrate and polysulfate or a protected urea and a sulfur. And I think it's about having that open-mindedness about how you can solve that nutritional problem still get the product on farm still get the right nutrients for that crop to grow a successful yield uh, and just yeah keeping a bit more of an open mind and understanding that sometimes these products don't always have to you know they, they can take them out of their sort of comfort situation if you will and put them into a more useful scenario most of those sound to me as if they're soil applied. You know, what, what about the, the foliar applications? Is, is the mileage in, uh, in that approach? Yeah, certainly. And I, I think that, you know, more growers are looking at those kind of options, particularly around possibly foliar nitrogen, for example. Uh, and I think growers have a lot of questions in terms of, you know, A, how do you get the best out of these types of products, but also B, you know, where do you position them 
within your traditional fertilizer timings uh, and applications really sure and, and and tom land i mean in terms of you know that nasty word availability but should growers still be adopting the great advice that you gave earlier this season or last season in fact about thinking about what what do they have in stock what do they need and really planning ahead rather than leaving it to the last minute is that a key element of making sure you've got what you need for your plan for that crop well particularly where nitrogen fertilizers are concerned then yes if you have a particular favorite source of nitrogen fertilizer then uh, the, the markets are getting more challenging. Uh, you know, we're seeing um, shortages of supply or shortages of product choice coming into our markets. We're certainly seeing uh, more urea potentially coming into the UK market, um, uh, and urea levels and use on farm has increased. But also alongside that, we've seen the the increase of interest in inhibitors uh, for granulurea, which work to improve the nitrogen use efficiency. Uh, reduce ammonia losses from urea fertilizer. So the products we trialed many years ago uh, on, on urea fertilizer, for example, are now starting to take a place in the market. Uh, you know, A, by, you know, we know that they work and, you know, that they do bring something to the party, but also they're enhancing the nitrogen use efficiency of the product along the way. What, what would you, what top tip would you actually give growers to start really focusing on as, as they listen to this in their tractor cab and the cultivating, drilling, etc.? Uh, Tom Perrett, let's start with you. So, so Tom P, what what top tips would you really urge growers to start thinking about, you know, right now? I think at the moment there are a lot of um, pitfalls to avoid. I think it's very easy to have phone calls, make knee-jerk reactions based around pressure selling or whatever it might be. Uh, I think taking a good, long, hard look at the market, going to you know your trusted individual, whoever that may be, getting the facts of the market, getting the facts of what's available to your business, rather than making that spontaneous or emotive response, you know, get the facts, get the right decision for your business. That's probably my one. Thank you, Tom P. Uh, great advice and really clear indeed. So, uh, Tom Land, what would be your top tip for listeners to take away today? Mine is the nitrogen use efficiency piece. Uh, you, you know, I mentioned earlier, growers will be doing soil organic matter tests. Uh, there's there's a great opportunity to to take a look back, understand what's happened. People are you know, thinking very carefully about how much nitrogen they apply to their crops. You know, the, the, you know, the right thing to do is actually, you know, do a proper calculation and then look at it on a, on a field by field basis, really. Thank you, Tom Perrett and Tom Land for, as always, sharing your valuable expertise and advice. Indeed, valuable insights as to what growers and farmers could be considering when it comes to their autumn nutrient plans for their winter cereal crops. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.